HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by you. Go to heritageradionetwork.org donate to become a member today. Hi, and welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm your host, Linda Palaccio, on this journey through culinary history. And today we're going to be talking about the resurrection of something that just about everybody is familiar with, at least in name. But the question is, how did a simple pie cart vendor develop one of the most famous hot dogs and then one of the largest restaurants in the country? We're going to find out about that. And what we're talking about is the Coney Island hot dog or the Coney Island Red Hot. Everyone, whether you've been to Coney Island, been to New York, or if you live, well, I would say probably outside the country even, you've heard of the Coney Island hot dog. It's become kind of a thing on its own. No one really knows, I think, what it is anymore. But back in 1867, a German immigrant developed this hot dog, and the rest is, as they say, history. My guest today is quite the Coney Island uh, historian. His name is Michael Quinn. He's a former English teacher who really got interested in Coney Island and, in fact, used to give walking tours. Maybe you still, I don't know, Michael, you still give walking tours? If I have the time. Oh, (laughs) give walking tours of Coney Island. Um, And he and his brother embarked upon a, a very special project to them to resurrect the Coney Island hot dog. And I have to understand, and he will tell us more, the restaurant, the man in question was Charles Feltman. That's correct. The restaurant was called Feltzman's. Feltzman's, yes. And it was shuttered never again to be serving in 1957 until you came along. So, Michael, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it over to you, and I want you to give us all the details. I, I mean, who was Charles Feltman? Thank you very much for having me here sure. on the show. Um, Charles Feltman was a German immigrant. Um, he was a baker by trade. Uh, he came here to the United States in, um, when he was 14 years old, uh, um, back around in the 1850s. And he lived in Flatlands, which was a village at the time. It wasn't part of Brooklyn, the village of Flatlands. With, um, he roomed with a man by the name of Henry Lehman. And um, at first, he worked as a um, in the coals, like civilian coal, hmm. uh, to Long Island, and also 
to Smith Street, where he found a bakery there and decided, well, I'd like to get a job as an apprentice baker. And that's what he did. And then eventually opened his own place on Classen Avenue and then went on to um, open a second bakery on 10th Street in uh, modern-day Park Slope, Brooklyn. And he was so he was already enterprising before yes. he started the mm-hmm. venturing on the hot yes topic. yes and and you know so much of the story which I'm going to tell today you know goes back to the the immigrant experience of coming here from another country and being an entrepreneur and, and, and making something of yourself right right so, so well, I mean Coney Island I I've heard you I've heard mm-hmm. videos I've seen videos and, and heard recordings of you giving your uh, your talk on the history of Coney Island. I mean, Coney Island didn't even really exist when he was doing all these things. I mean, as it is, as people knew it. I mean, Coney Island, Luna Park, the the amusement park, the boardwalk. I mean, that's, you know, the the romanticized versions of, of Coney Island that, that everyone knows and today still exists. Not as we know it as an amusement mecca, but um, people were going down there, starting to go down there around that time because it was accessible to this exploding metropolis and People wanted to spend the day at the beach, and um, he'd started to sell his baked goods there um, around 18, 1865 um, from his bakery. And in the summer of 1867, he noticed that people didn't want to eat pie and things that are sticky along the sand dunes of Coney Island. Yeah. <laughs> they wanted lunch. So um, Henry Lehman, who he was roomed with at the time, uh, worked at a meat uh, facility by the Brooklyn Navy Yard. He was making all these types of, you know, uh, beef and, and sausages and things like that, which kind of reflected the type of sausages that were made in their homeland of Germany. So he said, I have a good idea. You know, why don't I, if I can make them lunch? So we went back to his bakery on 10th Street, made these elongated buns and linked up with, with Henry at the, the um, meat facility and decided to create what we know today as the hot dog. Hmm. Um, very similar to the sausages that are found in Frankfurt, Germany, but kind of changed a little bit. Um, so, so, Her- so Henry Lehman really yeah. made the first the sausage. sausage yeah, right? the sausages <laughs> exist at the time. Uh, Feltman came out with the bun and, and the idea. Then he went to a f- guy named Donovan. We only know his name is Donovan on East Newark, New York Avenue, and Donovan um, was a wheelwright, and he made his pie cart. So he goes to Donovan. He goes, "Listen, I got this idea. I want to." sell these sausages and buns. I need you to convert my pie cart to where I can eat a grill, I need charcoal, I need a barrel to keep the sausages cold. And, you know, I think he was scratching his head, Donovan, to, <laughs> like, what are you going to do? And, you know, so, yeah, you know, you're paying for it, all right, I'll convert it. And that became the first hot dog cart. Huh. And that summer of 1867, Charles Feltman sold 3,684 what he called Coney Island Red Hots along the beach Amazing that, that you have that number. He was a very good bookkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and why were they called? Yeah, why were they called Red Hots? They weren't spicy. I think the color of the color, uh-huh. the, the color of it at, at the time. It were was, they smoked meats? That, it was smoked. Yeah. yeah, it was smoked. And um, you know, the nitrates, which so many hot dogs are filled with, really didn't weren't added. One, they wasn't allowed to be put in meat until 1925. The USDA, so it was a very pure, clean. Uh, Frankfurter sausage uh, that he used. Remember, this is pre-mass uh, production. Right, right. And well, then the next thing you know, you know, he's got he's selling it out of bricks and more. He's selling it in a restaurant, not just a cart. But right. that was a few years later. So he did very well that summer. Um, he met and fell in love with his girlfriend. Um, she was Nineteen years old at the time. In the following winter, he got married, 
at the Zion Lutheran Church, and it's still there in Brooklyn Heights. That's December of 19, hmm. uh, 1868, rather. And he decided to link up with a partner. His name was Wolf, and they opened up a little kind of shack in the late 1860s at Coney Island, and it was called Feltman and Wolf. So um, Wolf would handle the bar, and Feltman would be in the back handling the oysters and, and the frankfurters. And that's pretty much where he had his first, went from the pie wagon, the hot dog cart, to an actual permanent uh, location in Coney Island. And then by 1871, he started to build this enormous restaurant, dance hall, resort um, that, you know, through the 1870s became very, very famous worldwide. Now, you say, to your knowledge, no one else had been serving these sausages in the form well, obviously, with the bun that that he created, that Henry, that uh, Charles, Charles created. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is really the world's first hot dog in a bun, right? Yeah, and you have to understand, you know, even back then, New York, um, very fast town. You know, me growing up here in Brooklyn, and everybody wants to walk and eat. You know, you see <laughs> pizza, right? And, the opening scene of Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> uh, so he understood that, that people didn't want to have to sit down. They didn't want to use utensils, you know, especially in, in Coney Island. It's recreation. Why, you know, I could take this sausage on a bun and, and ride a carousel or, or feed a baby or, or, you know. That's a very New York thing that mm-hmm. he understood. And um, it was a brilliant concept because it made him, made him very wealthy. It, absolutely. Yes. I, um, there are some wonderful old uh, photographs, archival photographs of the original yes. Feltman's restaurant. Mm-hmm. And and in the background, I mean, you see, it looks like it looks like an amusement park itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, with a garden, you know, wonderful. Well, in and gardens, ice cream par- ice cream gardens were very popular mm-hmm. at that time. Yes, and it looks just like an ice cream garden. Yeah, I yeah. think he drew a lot. He would visit Europe a lot and come up with different ideas because Feltman's wasn't just hot dogs; it was also French food. Uh, obviously German food. They had a German beer garden. And their most popular item wasn't the Frankfurter. It was actually the Shore Dinner. It was called the Millionaire's Dinner. And it was five bucks, and the the entire table was covered in turtle soup, oyster, clams, lobster. So that was, um, it was pretty much like Italy on on a beach with amusement rides. It was- was (laughs) And anything you could get. There was nine restaurants on the complex and very upscale. And Charles Feldman was the first person to actually bring- Live entertainment to Coney Island. He was the first to book, you know, world-class bands and, and, you know, music. And he had this, everyone's thing was to go dancing at Feltman's, you know, the big hotel. And they also had the dance hall. And he was the first, everyone thinks about Luna Park, but he had 40,000 lights eventually by, by the 19, early 1900s before Luna Park opened. And he had a carousel too, didn't he? he had, uh, yes, he had uh, what was known as America's most famous uh, carousel at the time. And a roller coaster uh, later on <laughs> called the Ziz, which his son wrote a, a song about, that basically went through the maple trees, drew the German beer garden down to the beach. So again, even though he invented this this American iconic culinary <laughs> item, um, he was known to to bring the crowds in through entertainment. Through he knew what people wanted. They weren't just in, in. It wasn't just hot dogs. It right? wasn't just hot dogs. You know, he had nine grilling stations selling forty thousand of them a day on both sides. Surf Avenue and the beach, but he also had different types of um, food and different types. He also had two theaters and he had singing waiters. And, wow. You know, it was just, I think Coney Island was about entertainment where people appreciated live entertainment in the flesh. And, <laughs> and so it became, I mean, it yeah. became the same. Yeah. What happened? Feltman's? Yeah. Um, I think Feltman's, well, Charles Feltman died in 1910 and his sons, Alfred and, and Charles uh, Feltman, um, Charles L. Feltman, uh, his other son, um, 
they had some success. And even through the 20s, it expanded and it was billed as the largest restaurant in the world. But I think it wasn't just Feltman's. I think all of Coney Island fell victim to the economic climate change of, of people weren't going to Coney Island anymore to get dressed up and have a fancy dinner and stay at a hotel. Um, there were new immigrants coming in. Um, and they were looking, you know, and then, of course, the Great Depression and, um, you know, pe- people just looking for other ways to entertain themselves. You know, you had the movie houses, you had people, and then eventually, years later, people would, f- the airplane fly to Miami or go to the islands, you know. Yeah. So I think it was just Coney Island General, it wasn't really just Feltman's. Um, and the overhead was just enormous. I mean, this, this Feltman's restaurant was two city blocks long. Uh, they would serve 10,000 people at a single sitting. Wow. Uh, they had yes, they had about six hundred waiters. I was and, how many people did they employ? They and nearly nearly two thousand employees. Yeah, wow. nearly two thousand employees. It was was the boardwalk built and in existence? Uh, the boardwalk, it, it, and then when did it? When did that start? The boardwalk officially was was um, built in nineteen twenty three, mm. and it did take a chunk out of Feltman's property, especially his hotel on the beach side. They took it by an eminent domain that was Robert Moses, the architect <laughs> there. And then it was cut a second time. People don't realize that the boardwalk was brought in in 1941. That's the current boardwalk we know today is 1941. And it took even more of Feldman's property. Um, but by then, in 1941, it wasn't the same restaurant anymore. It wasn't this extravagant you know, entertainment culinary complex that it was in the past. And then the family sold it in, in 1946 to a hotel owner before permanently closing in, in 1954, hmm. the property. 1954. Before it became Land Park in 1962. Well, a lot of people, so obviously it became not just a, you know, a, a place to go in a restaurant. I mean, a rest, it, not, it was more than the restaurant, it was more than the hot dog. The hot dog became mm-hmm. iconic. Yes, yes. But when people think of, when you say to them, Oh, I'll have a Coney Island hot dog. Everyone has a different vision of what mm-hmm. that is. So mm-hmm. many times you go to the, let's say, the Midwest. They have Coney Island hot dog stands or, you know, uh, yes. vendors. And, but that will often in, involve chili on a hot dog. Absolutely. Well, that, that was something different. Even though they used the name Coney Island, there's a Greek family um, many, many, many years ago um, that decided to open Michigan, a chain of diners called Coney Islands. Huh. And they decided to put um, chili and onions and, and mustard on it. They were just trying to, like, you know, use the, the fame of Coney Island. That so name. nobody could really trade. There was no connection to Charles Feltman. Right. Yes, yeah. yes. But they, it was a Greek family, and they're still there. And it's like this Lafayette, Coney Island, and all these places in Michigan. And then it became known as a Coney, meaning the, um, the, basically the chili and all the toppings on top of, of a hot dog. But if you came from New York, you knew that wasn't how you ate your hot dog. No, no. It's no. either you know, listen, it's either plain Jane, mustard, or sauerkraut. That's yeah. pretty much onions too. I do the raw onions, but and yeah. if you put ketchup on, oh, being a Western sin. girl, if I That's put ketchup on, such a sin. I know I get chided all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about how this icon left us and now is has been resurrected mm-hmm. and your story Absolutely. when we come back after a short break. This episode is brought to you by you. Heritage Radio Network makes your favorite food podcasts. And now we need you to lend your voice to our community and show your support of food radio. Become a member today. 
HRN releases 35 weekly shows each week and is a globally respected voice in food media. But believe it or not, we're still a very small grassroots organization. HRN is powered by a small but mighty staff of four people and HRN's incredible hosts who volunteer their time to bring you the best food podcasts out there. Our hosts are experts in their field, whether it's food writing, mixology, culinary history, craft beer, LGBTQ issues, and so much more. And they're committed to making sure that the stories that matter to you keep coming each week. We believe that a thoughtful, committed group can change the world. So join us. Add your voice and support HRN by making a donation of any amount. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Okay, we're back. And I'm talking with Michael Quinn. Michael Quinn and his brother, and do you have other, other people involved in the business, I'm sure? And, uh, yes, we have a few, okay. few people that work for us. So. All right. Um, have resurrected the famous... Coney Island hot dog. No, not the place where it's sold and not on Coney Island. And although you did try that for a while, too, That's correct. right? Yes. Um, but first of all, I want to ask you, you know, this was a very special project for you and your brother. So um, what, what drew you to do this? It's my grandfather. You know, my grandfather um, went to Feltman's. His father had taken him to Feltman's. And you grew and up in Coney Island in the, I was in the born, area in Brooklyn? Yeah, I was born in, actually, I was born in an apartment building owned by Trump. <laughs> but it's not Donald Trump. It was actually Fred Trump on the well, building that I lived. But that's for another segment. Yes. But uh, but uh, yeah, I grew up in, in southern Brooklyn in that area, and you know, spent you know, much many time much time down there. Uh, but it was really my grandfather who used to talk about Feltman's, and he used to take me for. He lived in Windsor Terrace, Brooklyn. He used to take us for breakfast on Fort Hamilton Parkway, and and Charles Feltman is interred in Greenwood Cemetery, and I believe he's mm-hmm. the second largest uh, mausoleum there. It's about the size of my parents' beach house. It's enormous. <laughs> So he would point and say, you see that guy over there? That's the guy who invented the hot dogs. I didn't know what he was talking about. So, And then he, his father, who's known as Pops, was actually friends with Christian Lehman, who was Henry Lehman's nephew. So Pops was known... Small world. Yeah. <laughs> so Pops was just known as, like, he would always make sausages all the time. He was, like, he was an amateur sausage maker. So that's how um, my grandfather acquired... The recipe that was made way back when, um, and, and I re- acquired it from him in 1992, and the recipe was on stationery, hmm. and it was actually the address had 1000 Surf Avenue, but I didn't realize at the time that Feltman at that time had a second restaurant, Feltman's Tivoli, which was located on Fifth and Second, and I re- researched it uh, since then, and it burned down in 1895, but it had billiards, hmm. a pool hall. And the day it burned down, the Brooklyn Daily Eagle from the roof of the building in Brooklyn Heights to the cover that a drawing of, of this fire. So for years, I had this, this recipe that was brought down. And I didn't know when my grandfather certainly wasn't. A, so I wasn't the sausage maker. And I really didn't know what to do with it. And my brother, um, I have two younger brothers. Um, I had two, middle brother had passed away since uh, 9-11, my brother Jimmy. But we wanted to bring back a business like Feldman's. And my brother Joe was at West Point, and at the time uh, 9-11 happened, he went to 10 years in Iraq and Afghanistan, and when he returned, that's when we decided, well, let's do it in memory of our grandfather and also Jimmy, but that's when we decided to kind of bring back Feltman's, we acquired the rights to the name, and um, with the recipe, we just, we just whipped it up. 
So it was. It really is about the ingredients and yes. the, and the making and the manufacturing of this Absolutely. hot dog. Absolutely. Would you tell us what it what that involves, what that entails, what it is, without giving away the recipe? <laughs> oh. Well, the thing that makes a difference between Feltman's and, and any other hot dog is you know there's no nitrates. It's it's all lean cuts of beef. It's all um, well balanced natural ingredients. That's what the hot dog was before mass production. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, um, it got such a bad rap. Right? It did, yeah, because it was it. It's like a lot of food, you know. It, it became a, a street food, you know. It wasn't kind of, um, and it did get a bad rap. And I think the first bad rap it, it received was it was from a guy named John Y. McCain, not the McCain you're thinking of. Another one, who was the constable of Gravesend at the time, John Y. McCain back in the late um, got Grover. Cleveland uh, elected, many couple of presidents elect, very, very powerful. He started in construction business. He actually has one building that still exists in Coney Island that he, he had built. And um, didn't drink, didn't smoke, taught Sunday school at Sheepshead Bay, but allowed um, prostitution, gambling, drinking in, in Coney Island because it was an economic necessity. <laughs> so at first he banned these um, things until he went down to the facility by the Brooklyn Navy Yard and inspected and see how they weren't made out of dog meat. That's, that was the rumor or some kind of... And then he became very close with Feldman, actually, McCain. And, um, you know, Feldman also had a casino and allowed drink, drinking. So it wasn't... You know, they knew, eventually they had amusement rides, but, you know, Coney Island was a completely different animal uh, back then than, than you think of today. Hmm. Um, but he was the first to ban it because... And, and then eventually when he inspected the facility and saw that, oh, it really is real, you know... Right. Yeah. Right. So that's when it uh, it kind of went forward. So you so you had the you actually resurrected the the um, establishment as well. One of the restaurants, did you not? I mean, you sold them out of a restaurant or out of a storefront or? Yes, I, I approached uh, the the current um, owner of the property is the city of New York, and and oh. they license it to a company based in Italy called Zamperla, which it's here it's known as. Um, well, they own it. It's called Luna Park. It's not the original Luna Park, but they kind of had taken the name. And we licensed it to them um, for a couple of seasons. We had a contract, and um, unfortunately, they breached the contract severely. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother had saved thousands of dollars while he was overseas in, in, um, in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, and you know, they had taken money from him and didn't complete the corner, didn't put up the sign, didn't paint the, the corner. And there was a lot of... Um, we got tons of publicity for it, but they just had no one managing the place. And so um, that's what happened at the time. But it was the exact address of, as, as where Feltman's was located. Mm-hmm. But the press was just incredible. I mean, New York Post, it was just, from, mar- from a marketing perspective, it was great. But I was hoping that we could kind of uh, have a good partnership with them, which just didn't happen. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. But, yeah. but the good news is mm-hmm. um, the hot dogs are manufactured, are manuf- well, they're, yeah, they're manufactured and, and packaged and, mm-hmm. and sold uh, all over the country. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, you know, before I did that, I had a little takeout window on St. Mark's Place. That's where, where things really started to happen for us. Theater 80, it's owned by a gentleman by the name of Lorcan Otway. You should visit there. It is a Museum of the American Gangster. It used to be a speakeasy, wonderful place in 80 St. Mark's Place. So I, I, he rented to me this little takeout window. And day five, Gothamist said, behind this tiny window is New York City's best hot dog. And that led to a review by New York Magazine. Oh, Zagat's even rated it as the best thing to eat. Yeah, it was, but it started, and I was working my butt off. Like I started part-time, then I was doing 10-hour days from this tiny, no air conditioner, tiny little takeout window in the East Village. 10 hours a day, you know, and <clears throat> then I got to the point where people wanted to, maybe butcher shops, hey, can I carry this? And it's another store. And I said, you know what? Forget about this. Why don't we just 
package it. Yeah, and, so be and wholesalers, sell it. right? Yeah, let's let's just wholesale it. So we closed that that location a year ago, and kind of hard to compete in New York City with Gray's Papaya and you mm-hmm. know so many of the different hot dog places mm-hmm. that are around, yeah. and they're not. I mean, they you know people are. Have, are diehard fans of, of their favorites, but yeah. these this one is one you can really stand behind. Right? Well, it is, and you know, I, we have people like um, Kobayashi, who's the, the Japanese hot dog mm-hmm. eating champ, but years ago, I mean, he he tried it one time, and his, his eyes went behind his head. He said, "This is the best hot dog I've had in my entire life," and I've had a few of them in my lifetime. <laughs> and we, we hang out once in a while, and it was one night, um, one place that sells our which I'm very proud of, even more than bringing it back to, to Coney Island, McSorley's Ale House, which is the oldest saloon in New York City. And they carry uh, Feltman's hot dogs, and they sell very well there. And I was in there one night with, with Kobayashi, and um, he ate like six in a row along the bar, and everyone nuts. And we ended up in the Daily News the next day. <laughs> but it was uh, it's a lot of fun, I guess. Well, at Coney Island, of course, there are so many great stories about Coney Island and, mm-hmm. and famous people and famous things mm-hmm. that, you know, that have happened there. But as far as Feltman's, Feltman's has its own share of famous stories and famous people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was it was well-known throughout the country. When you come to Coney Island, you got to go to Feltman's, right? Mm-hmm. It was at this And uh, I have some little factoids here mm-hmm. that President Taft and, mm-hmm. of course, Diamond Jim Brady. He was, Diamond Jim the, Brady. He was always around. Mm-hmm. So President Taft invited Diamond Jim Brady. Yeah, well, Taft was from Cincinnati, and it, there's plenty of German restaurants there, and he loved his German food. And um, when he was in town, he made sure Charles Felt, you know, the Feltmans made sure that they had a table for, for President Taft. But he actually skipped out on a bill once. He went on the carousel. He used to like to ride Feltman's carousel, and he skipped out on a hundred fifty dollar tab. Too many steins. Too in many steins in the beer garden. Yeah, at the time. And then Diamond Jim Brady actually, um, he would go. He would eat a place called Lou Chow's, which is kind of yes, it's kind of like the Feltmans. Yeah, yeah. Um, my family used to go there also um, on Fourteenth Street, but it was kind of like the. Feltman's in Manhattan, you know, it was right by, by uh, Union Square there. And he would eat there in the morning, but then he would pick up. He was the first person, Diamond Jim Brady was the first person in New York City to own an automobile. And he would pick up his mistress, Lillian Russell, the actress, and they would go to where Bay Ridge was as a Catholic, all girls Catholic high school there. That was their love shack. And then they would go to Feltman's, but the, Feltman gave him his own parking spot there. Huh. And he would sit down, and he was an enormous man. He would just eat all day. He was just complete gourmandizer, but he would sit down and eat three short dinners at $5 a pop and leave $5, $20 bill, leave $5 for the waiter. But he was he was, he was a regular there at Feltman's and it was more than the hot dogs. I think he went for the seafood, you know. Huh, yeah. Yes. Well, um, now this one, I, I don't know, the, a lot of stories have trailed this man, but Al Capone mm-hmm. was said that as a teenager when he lived in, in before he moved out to Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That he, he was born in Brooklyn, yeah. He was uh, he frequented Feldman's? Yes, and if you read his biography, it clearly states that, that Al Capone, uh-huh. I know Nathan's tries to claim it, but Al Cap- Nathan's wasn't there yet, and he, he we get off at the uh, the sub, uh, the train there, and he would, um, first he would see the crowds in front of Feldman's, and he made sure that his belly was filled with Feldman's frankfurters before working the night shift at a place on the Bowery, Coney Island's Bowery, called the Harvard Inn. It was actually one night, um, he was 18 years old, he got into a fight with Frankie Galluccio, another gangster, after saying something inappropriate about Galluccio's sister. <laughs> Galluccio took out a knife and sliced him, I think twice in the neck and once in the cheek, and fell to the floor there, and they rushed him to Coney Island Hospital, and it stitched his face up, and hence the, the nickname Scar- Scarface. Yeah, Scarface. It was right there right. in Coney Island. Wow. And um, hopefully kept the Feltman's hot dogs in his belly that night. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you mentioned you briefly 
touched on Nathan's. Now, mm-hmm. Nathan's famous. Nathan's mm-hmm. famous. Another, you know, huge hot dog mm-hmm. chain and yep. and um, iconic hot dog, if yes. you will. Of the, but there was uh, when they did came around. Because when did they came around? Much later. Yep. And was there controversy between the two? Were there any? Um, I mean, there was competition, certainly, but... Similar story with Nathan Handwerker. He's Charles Feltman, another immigrant. Uh, Charles Feltman was, was Lutheran, German. Um, Nathan Handwerker was, was Jewish from an area, well, now it's called Poland. Um, but he um, arrived here with, with nothing. You know, he got here with pennies, maybe. And Nathan Handwerker uh, got his start working on Spring Street. Monday through Friday, it was a place called Max's Busy Bee, and it was a little kind of a greasy spoon type of place. Hmm. But he worked there Monday Friday, but he wanted to save money like every immigrant, right? He wanted to get ahead and work weekends, so he was trying to look for a weekend gig. So he went to Coney Island once, went around looking to see if he could, was unsuccessful, went back to Max's Busy Bee, and someone gave him the tip. He goes, listen, why don't you go, this is the magic word, Feltman's, go to Feltman's, you know, 600 waiters do so he went in there and applied for a job at Feltman's. Now, this is after Feltman had passed. This is the summer of 1915. So Feltman's sons had the business at the time. And he got a job um, as a meager bun slicer at one of the nine grilling stations at, uh, at Feltman's. And he spent the weekend sleeping on the kitchen floor to save money traveling back and forth from the lower Manhattan. He slept on the floor of Feltman's kitchen. And he lived off of Feltman's Frankfurters. And then he happened to meet Two singing waiters who just got their start in show business at Feltman's in the German beer garden named uh, Jimmy Durante and Eddie Cantor. Hmm. So from what I've heard is that they're the ones who got him, was able to score him a loan of $300 because he was very good. He was a hustler to leave his job at, at Feltman's and go down the block and open up his own spot, which we need a partner at the time. And initially, he was selling the same type of hot dogs that Feltman's was, was selling. But he knew he couldn't compete with Feltman's 10-cent francs. He wanted to undercut Feltman's. And that, that's like going up against you know, the Death Star. I mean, going up Feltman's was the head, Feltman's the head of the, the Chamber of Commerce, the Feltman's. Hmm. They, they were, I mean, it was really, really, it took a lot of chutzpah, as he would say, uh, to do that. So he brought out his partner as far as, like, I'm not going against Feltman's. Um, he found a manufacturer in, um, called Swift. Now, Swift had this machinery that debuted at the Columbian Exposition, um, you know, getting ready for mass, you know, the industrial age, mass producing sausages at a very high rate, efficiently, at a low cost. So he was able to have a hot dog that wasn't the same quality as Feltman's, but it was so cheap that he was able to sell it for a Mass nickel. Mass producer, right. Yes. Then come to be known as Swift's Premium, right? Swift's, yeah. yeah. But it was yeah. at Swift's, I think, the first year, and then he switched to a company called High Grade. Now, High Grade um, became Ballpark Franks. They were bought out, ah. so, so that's High Grade, and they were based in Newark, New Jersey, and uh, there was a guy named Sam Solatz, his name was, and he, when Feltman's closed, uh, Nathan's Famous decided, well, let's perfect our, our spice plan. They had Sam at high grades to create the spice blend of Nathan's that we know today. Sam left his job at high grades and then started a company called Master Purveyors. And Master Purveyors makes some some of the best restaurants in New York City from the steakhouses to the burgers come from Master Purveyors. Plita Luger steaks come from Master Purveyors. Hmm. Uh, J.G. Mellon's Burger. Um, uh, Neary's famous restaurant um, in um, on 57th Street. Their lamb chops, named after Kathy Lee Gifford, come from Master Purveyors. <laughs> so that was the place where he was the guy who actually created the current 
uh, spice blend for for Nathan's Nathan's hot dogs. But the point is, Nathan was able to undercut Feltman's, and then, the, like I said uh, early in the in the podcast, the economic climate changed. You know, it was people couldn't afford to go to Feltman's and get dressed up and get a table and and you know pay ten cents for a hot dog. We get at Nathan's and you know right. run to the beach with it. And, right. You know, so. Yeah. Well, so tell us where where can people around the country? Because we have listeners from all around. Sure. If they're interested in tasting an original Coney Island hot dog, but you have to ask for Feltman's. Feltman's of Coney Island. Coney That's the original. Feltman's original recipe. of Coney Island. Yeah, right. absolutely. Um, where the, can they Where can they get these? I think the best thing you should do is is check the website feltmansofconeyisland.com. Um, right now, as we speak, we're in about fifteen hundred supermarkets from here to California. Wow. A year ago, I was in seventeen. So, you know, we're, we're just breaking out in a big way. And um, locally here in New York City, you could find it at um, uh, Stop and Shop, Fairway Market, um, D'Agostino, Christides, uh, the West Coast, uh, you know, in Los Angeles. We're in a bunch of uh, supermarkets um, uh, out there also. Um, and also in Florida, the Fresh Market. Um, so Bristol Farms in Los Angeles. So I think, you know, but the best way, and also we ship nationwide. So if you go to feltmansofconeon.com, we could ship you the hot dogs, we could ship you the mustard. And it's, it's been amazing. It's, it's been, you know, the reviews, the feedback, the way the, the business is blown up. And we're very proud to be, you know, a veteran-owned business. That's I'm not, and what, that's where you want to get to. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. what I wanted to ask yeah. next, yeah. is that, that you did a very special thing for Veterans Day, especially, mm-hmm. but also with the business, mm-hmm. um, that you tell me about that. Yes. Uh, my brother uh, is a West Point grad, and we have about six employees of, uh, of Feltman's, and they're all veterans, you know. And uh, we're very proud. You'll see that on the, the pack, uh, veteran-owned. And uh, this uh, Veterans Day weekend... Um, online sales, all profits are going to go to um, special causes. That's the veterans uh, this causes. will be this will be airing um, a couple weeks from now. But yes, so over the yes. Veterans Day weekend, over the Day weekend, absolutely. And my brother, um, who's a partner in this, he is a um, also the head of an organization called the Headstrong Project. It's a nonprofit uh, that helps veterans with their um, mental health needs. Um, so they get help immediately. There's no bureaucracy. There's no. So the funds will go. To yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to probably just even it out throughout. Yeah. We just don't want to stick to one organization, but we're looking to to give back, um, give back to the veterans. Yeah. Interesting, and, and a, an iconic American from a German from a German immigrant, which mm-hmm. is which makes sense. I mean, yeah. So many of the immigrants. That's how they started, right? Absolutely. They, they knew how mm-hmm. they missed their food of home. They knew their food of home. Mm-hmm. They could cook, so with yeah. very little in their pocket, they could Absolutely. start a business. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's such a such an American story. It, really it is. is. It and is. And then to give back to the veterans, I mean, that's that was that's a wonderful tie-in to that. I think it is. It's just a home run all the way around with this yeah. business. You know? Yeah. Well, uh, Michael, thank you so much, Michael Quinn. Thanks. And I know you have so many more stories about Coney Island. Mm-hmm. You are a font of Coney Island knowledge. It's, it's really <laughs> and great. New York in general. I yeah. love New York City. Yeah. But, and uh, and um, I I thank you for. Um, for spending the time and visiting me here at Roberta's. So even though we're not eating the hot dogs, we have a Roberta's pizza in front of us, which, Absolutely. Now, which now has an Italian food. There you go. And, there you go. And it's become an American icon. Just as own, good as the hot right? dog. Definitely well, in New York City. you know, okay. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for it. listening. Again, this has been A Taste of the Past. A Taste of the Past is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. 
Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.